Hey, it's Leah, and welcome to the Homeschooling for the Rest of Us podcast. Hey, everybody. I am excited about today's episode because you all get to meet one of my favorite people. So I have told numerous people that everyone needs a Lily in their life. Lily is like, well, first of all, if you're not from the South, you're going to love her accent. You're probably going to just replay the podcast just to hear how she talks. And sometimes I have to have her repeat things because the accent is it's really thick. So she's like, like if, if sweet tea were a person, that would be Lily, but she's also feisty to where she could be like a spicy, <laughs> spicy tea too. Don't make her mad because um, you'll see the, that Southern side of her too, but she's very well-rounded. Um, but Lily is just super kind. Like for example, you guys, she showed up at my house a couple days ago and she knows how much I love America. I mean, I love it a little bit, right? A little, a little bit. Like when people say, what's your home decor? The answer is America. And she, it was a crochet or knitting. It crochet. was crochet. She crocheted me a gorgeous, gorgeous. It's, I'm going to call it my fr- firecracker blanket. Cause it looks like a bunch of fireworks on it. it. So she made me a red, white, and blue little firework blanket. It's not even little, it's huge. I could put it on my king size bed. <laughs> anyway, it's just so sweet. And she's always so kind. So I've been wanting to have Lily on the podcast for a while. Also, if you're in our Facebook group, she so generously spends her time adminning it with me because I can't keep up sometimes. And so she approves, denies. <laughs> so answer the questions if you're trying to apply to the to the Facebook group. But um, Lily, welcome to the podcast. And before we get started, let's um, why don't you tell them how we how we met? Okay. So we I met Leah. In, I believe, 2019, so it was before COVID, because her kids were going to a STEM camp at our church, and um, I volunteered that summer with the kids, and I met Lincoln, and he was, it's 2019, so how old was he? Like seven? Yeah. And he's so smart. I said, you are so smart, Lincoln. He said, very confidently, because I'm homeschooled. I said, okay. Excellent. And at that time, I did not homeschool my children. It was definitely not anywhere on my radar. So, yeah. And then my recollection was that I had started the Facebook group. COVID happened. I started the Facebook group. You somehow got added into the Facebook group. And then we connected that we lived in the same town. Yes. And then I was picking up something from that church. And you're like, you're Leah. And I'm like, you're Lily. I told you, I just watched your video (laughs) on how to homeschool. Yeah. Because you were, so Lily was a crisis homeschooler. She was uh, forced into homeschooling. Yes. Uh, My son, who is my oldest child, was in second grade. And we came home for spring break and we never went back. And we got a packet every week. And we were told to text the teacher a picture of one completed assignment per subject a week. And that was it. We never heard from her ever again. She didn't check in. We didn't do Zooms, nothing. So there were no Zoom classes for him. Not it was for just him. packets going mm-hmm. on. And he was in second grade. Second grade. And so at that point, I realized he could not tell time. There was a lot of uh, deficits for sure. So him coming home made you realize he's not getting the education that I thought he was getting. Correct. Okay. 
Now, my other favorite thing about Lily is she's one of those people. And I mean, I was this person at a point, but like when you really made the decision that you guys weren't going back, like you were terrified. She was so, she was not confident. She was nervous. And I remember all of us were just like, just kind of advocating for you and championing you and be like, yes, you've got this. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. And then the other day she's like, oh, I got this curriculum and I'm doing this. this." I'm like, look at you, look at you. But tell them a little bit about kind of your journey. Cause, cause how, at what point did the schools open back up here? Cause ours wasn't as long as some places. No. So, um, the schools started regular, regularly meeting again in the fall when school, when school started again. So we shut down in March. Yeah. So they were basically out the rest of that um, school year and obviously through the summer. Right. And then, so, but what made you not, what made you decide to not put them back and just go for it? Well, so my husband and I were supposed to go on a really fancy cruise that summer for vacation and we could not because of COVID. So we ended up taking our two kids to South Dakota to Mount Rushmore. So while we were on vacation, our local school board had a uh, meeting, which was uh, Facebook live, I guess that's how you say it. Mm -hmm. And so we watched this multi-hour long meeting about how school was going to look. And I just did not want my son to have to wear a mask Mm -hmm. at school. I just really didn't because he was going to be a third grader. And I just, I didn't think that that was something that I wanted him to do. And they had all these restrictions. If you're exposed to this person, you have to go home for two weeks and then you can come back and then you're exposed again and you have to go back home. And I work. And so I couldn't move my schedule around to some weeks we're at school, some weeks we're at home. And if we were going to do that, be home, I thought we're just going to do it the whole, all the way I can do it. And we decided to homeschool, but it was only going to be for that year. And then we were going back, but God had other plans for us. So, okay. So when, so, okay. So then to transition. So then that's when we started our co-op in the fall Mm -hmm. and Parker was at the co-op. He was there that first he was, semester. Yeah. yeah. And then Eleanor would have been, was she three at that point? She would have been three. She was, yeah, she was three. So she was not in co-op the first year. My mom still kept her. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm trying to make a timeline. I feel like, and I know everyone can relate to this, like COVID made time very blurry. So mm-hmm. I'm like, what year was that? Okay. So Parker comes to a co-op and Parker from someone who's not his mom Parker is very smart. He's very inquisitive. Mm-hmm. He's very respectful. Um, and he's just an overall, he's a great kid. He's a really good kid. And so it was fun to see him grow at co-op and ask questions and do all that. And I know your first year you guys did a Becca. Yes. A Becca. So tell me your experience with doing like a boxed curriculum. Cause he was doing video lessons. Like what did that look like that first year? So we were terrified. And had some friends that had been homeschooling for a few years and they used a Becca. So I went to their house and she showed me all their lessons and how simple it is. And I thought, okay, this is something I can handle since I work. And um, a Becca gives you the option of either watching your videos from DVDs or you can stream it online. And so basically you, this, the child is in a classroom setting watching a classroom on a screen and it's a, it's an entire day 
mm-hmm. to get all the work done. So, so he literally, he would have a Bible class, a history class, mm-hmm. like each video is like 20 minutes long, maybe um, sometimes longer. Some of the classes were anywhere between 45 to 60 minutes because like, especially the language arts, because they would play a game and the kids would go up to the board and he was, he had a lot of like, I don't know. He was missing out because he's watching all these kids on the TV. That it's he, recorded. It's not live. Yeah, no, it's not okay. live. Okay. Okay. So, so you eventually realized that that wasn't a good, a good fit. Yes. I know you did say the one thing that you really liked was their Bible. Yes. You, and we still do the Bible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in the few times I've been in, in like a church setting with Parker, his Bible literacy is really good. Mm-hmm. Like he knows his stuff. So you can tell like apologetics wise, they really do a good job mm-hmm. of teaching that. Um, Okay. So you, so how soon did you scrap that? Like, did you write it out for the full year? Yes, we can. We finished the year because you have, you pay for the entire year up front, and it's very expensive. So we just yeah. needed to complete it. But I mean, I also started with the box curriculum. So I think when it's your first year, it can serve its purpose because you really do. It takes, it does take like a year to kind of undo what you think you know, school to be. Mm-hmm. And I think the more you were around our homeschool community and the other moms that were homeschooling, like I really saw your confidence build off of that to where it was, it was true. Like where you're like, okay, I could try that. or I could do that. And you were really open to learning and, and you were always good about looking, looking at curriculum. Like I would bring you curriculum or someone else would bring you and you'd flip through it and see if it was a good fit. And so I think you know, to give you some kudos, you were really flexible. It wasn't like, this is what we're doing till 12th grade Parker. <laughs> this is it. Like yeah. you were ready to be flexible. Well, I also like going into this, I had this idea, like there has to be grades and we have to take tests mm-hmm. and we have to record this. And I'm like, who am I recording this for? Right. It's me. I'm the teacher. I'm the teacher. <laughs> um, I am the principal. Not really. My husband says he's the principal, but I'm not recording these grades for who? Right. Because at this point, like we're in third grade, I'm not sending these uh, grades for college transcripts. So. Right. Right. And also if you're a new homeschooler, so Lily and I living in Texas, we have complete homeschool freedom. It's one of the most homeschool friendly states. So do be sure like to check, even though Lily and I don't have to record keep your state might require it. Some states do require that you check in with like a teacher every three months. So just make sure that you check it. You can check it at hslda.org. They have all the requirements listed. You can just go by your state. Okay. So to transition a little bit, Lily, um, I want to know, let's talk about you as, as a working mom. Cause that's a question that I do get from people is, is it possible when both parents work, is it possible to homeschool? So can you take us through your schedule, um, and what that day looks like for Parker and kind of what, what your experience has been? So I am the secretary at our church. And, um, so I have a pretty flexible schedule, but I also have a tight load. I've a lot of things that I have to do throughout the week to prepare for Sunday, because if you know anything about working at a, a church or going to a church like Sunday, every week is your Super Bowl, basically. So um, Parker comes with me to work and he sits in one of our classrooms. At this point, he is a fifth grader and a lot of his work is independent study. So I set him up. I make him a little schedule so to for him to stay on task and He completes his work. If he has a question, he comes down the hall and we work it out. But for the most part, he does it on his own. Okay. And have you, 
Have you, I know like in the past, let's, let's share our, let's just spill it, Lily. So oh let's just go there. I'm going to go there. I know where we're going. Yeah. So let's talk about our smart sons. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I'll go first. Okay. So what I want Lily to talk about is that I, the issue that I ran into last year is that I became too trusting that my son was independently working. And maybe, you know what? I'm going to assume Lily, I'm going to assume that everyone goes, that goes from that fourth to fifth grade jump experiences this. Mm-hmm. We cannot be the only ones that experience right. this. But you go from that jump to where you're sitting with them, constantly doing the work to, okay, now you can independently do this. And uh, we found, I mean, let's talk about where we found math pages shoved in different areas of the room for us. Um, Another thing is that I was so trusting and Lincoln was like, yeah, I understood it, that he was writing down random numbers. And I wasn't checking it because I just thought he's a smart kid. He knows what he's doing. Like Mm -hmm. he said, he understood it. And I was just too trusty. Now, the good news is there was great life lessons that came from the consequences. Yes. So tell us some of the things. So I've had math pages found behind beds. Um, I found one math page in the freezer one day. That was new. Um, and then lying about assignments. Like, tell me some of your things. Well, so when Parker was caught, it was it was our first year um, homeschooling because he with Rebecca, he had to take tests. So I was thinking by this point, we're halfway through the year. I don't have to check his folder. He's doing everything. And I'm, but I am checking the tests and he's passing these tests. So he had to have been doing the work, right? Wrong. I'm telling you three months probably of math that was not complete. And it was, it was really not pretty at our house that day when I found out that he was not doing mm-hmm. that. But Parker is a people pleaser and he gets it honestly from his mom. And he, he was so upset with himself because he had disappointed me. And there was a lot of punishment. There was a lot of uh, Bible scripture he was writing. <laughs> and uh, I can honestly say that has not happened again. Yeah. So, yeah. and you know, here's the thing. Like as disappointed as we were as for both of us, I'm sure these moments are necessary because it helps build their character. Right. And I would rather my son fail at 10 years old mm-hmm. and have a misstep at 10, 11 years old to where we can correct it in our home. We can talk about consequences. We can talk about themes like honesty and virtue and versus when he's 21, you know? Right. And so I think I think as moms, it can, and it can be really easy for us to like beat ourselves up. Like, oh my gosh, I should have watched better. I should have, like, I found myself doing that. Like, Leah, I can't believe you just, and I just had to be like, no, like give yourself grace. And now you're smarter. You're smarter because of it. Mm -hmm. So now we check all the work. I have a red pen. (laughs) I have a red pen and we check it. Um, And that's been good. And that's created some accountability. That was the lesson for me is that Lincoln needs more accountability um, and it was a good lesson for him because he's had to build back trust. Like his dad and I sat him down and we said the whole lesson of it takes seconds, seconds to break trust and it takes a lifetime to build it. And so now you're working on building it back. Um, so that was, that was good lessons. Okay. So, um, you also have Eleanor who is six now. Nope. She's five. She's five. She'll she's be five. six in August. She'll yes. be six in August. She's a birthday coming up. Okay. So her and Reagan are similar. They're only a couple months apart. So tell us what is Eleanor doing these days? So Eleanor, um, she went to a Mother's Day Out program. And then once that was over, we were hit with, okay, we we have to do something with her now. And Eleanor and Parker are not the same. He 
being be given a list of tasks. Obviously now he's able <laughs> to complete said tasks, but she's five years old mm-hmm. and I don't have the capacity right now to sit down and do all the lessons that she needs to do, which are not a lot because of her age, but also I just, I'm not ready to teach her how to read. So, um, in our town, they had this really great, um, preschool kindergarten open up. It's very small. Um, it's more like a Montessori type learning. And so we uh, went for a tour. We met the teacher. She's actually a retired school teacher for 30 years. She taught in the public school system. And she, she said she thought she could make a difference. And once COVID hit, she said she was done and she retired. So now she teaches at this little school. So Eleanor goes to that school four days a week. It's it's basically a full day, 8.30 to 2.30, and we love it. We're so impressed by her behavior, how much she's grown, and she's going to start reading in the fall. So we're really excited about that. So I think this is another lesson where you know that there's alternatives. There's alternatives to public school. And so if you're in a position, like what I loved that you and Ben did is like you knew your limitation at home currently with both of you working. And that would have been trickier because it would have required more of your time or you depending on maybe your mom to do it. Maybe your mom was, isn't going to do the standard that you would want her to do or whatever. So I think knowing those limitations, but then looking for other options that are outside of the box. So, you know, it just so happened. Our little town, it's a little fine arts place mm-hmm. they do ballet and they do and they created this little tiny school and it's really cute um and they only do they don't go all the way up through it's just through first yeah, grade yeah and and actually um this coming year will be the third year they've been uh, operating and uh, they're all, they're extending their um service levels to include first grade this year so they're yeah. growing yeah mm-hmm. so there's definitely other options i mean also in our town i always tell cody if something happens to me to do this there's um a church that does like a charter homeschool program where kids can go three days a week um and with meet with other students and they kind of homeschool together and then they have work at home and so you know i think in the perfect world we would all like to have the cute little homeschool room with the chalkboard and the letters and all the things but some of us do have to work i'm i'm finding you know, I kind of took a little bit of a sabbatical from work as my grandmother was dying, but getting back to work, I'm having to be a lot more particular with my schedule. And that was something I wanted to talk about too, um, is that, you know, some of you that are listening, you do have work commitments. And so you don't, you are not able to be a stay at home mom or not able to have that choice. Um, and I really just want to empower you to know that you're child's homeschool experience, it's what you make it. So I don't want you to shame yourself or feel like they're not getting the best of you. Um, because I think the very fact that you've chosen to homeschool, they're getting the best of you. (laughs) Like that's, you know, when you, when you commit to homeschool, Lily, that's, that's, that's not just telling your child, I love you. That's showing them, you know, and not, I'm not saying that people that don't homeschool don't love their kids, but it's a whole level of commitment. I mean, it's a sacrifice. It's a, it's a choice. It's a commitment because you do have a free educational option that you're not choosing. Right. And I think it makes you, um, you really have to feel like a, you have to feel very confident and strong in your decision because you're going to face a lot of judgment. Totally. I feel like it's getting better though. I feel like mm-hmm. it's not as bad. Um, it's not as bad. Like even my, I think about my grandpa, he was very against us homeschooling Lincoln in the beginning, like very against, he would send me newspaper articles about how homeschool kids are whatever. Um, 
And in this last year, he's totally changed his tune because it's like, he has seen the benefit and, and how my kids are thriving. And so now he gives me all the articles on why homeschoolers are awesome. Um, but the other thing in this season, Lily, that I'm finding is to choose my best. Yes. Have you heard of this concept? Yes. This is a, it's a book, book, right? Maybe it is Lisa Turkers, but if you haven't read it, I'll link it in the show notes, but Basically the concept of your best yes is, you know, in this season, it's okay to say no to things. So it's okay to say no to the zillion birthday parties. It's okay to say no to, you know, book club if you need to, or no to, unless it's our book, club. unless it's our book. I didn't, I didn't mean anything about it. I'm just trying to give examples. It's like, you better not. <laughs> um, or like, you know, no to, if you, if you super volunteer at your church, maybe this is the time that you scale back because you need to do that or, um, whatever extra things that you sign up for sports. We kind of made that decision. I hadn't talked to Lily about this yet, but, um, you know, living in Texas, there's a lot of not pressure, but there's this expectation that your kids are going to be doing a lot of sports. Mm -hmm. And so we gave soccer a try. We gave it a try. Um, and it's just not, it's not for us. Lincoln might do it again, but they're loving theater right now. And so for me, I, again, I talk about this, like what's the end game. I want my kids to have good physical fitness habits. I want that modeled to them. So like I'm having them exercise and have, and they can get that other ways than soccer or football. So again, it's just like saying your best yes for what fits your family. And you know that. And so as working moms, I would say Lily and I both have to lead our families that way with making the decisions of like, no, this is not good for our family right now. Yes, this is good for our family right now. Um, and also I think for me, just reminding myself, this is a season and it's going to go by quick. It's going to go by really quick. Okay. So to transition a little bit, Lily, what has surprised you about homeschooling? Oh, that's a hard one. What has surprised me about homeschooling? I think what has surprised me the most is that we can teach our children what they need to know or what they should know in such a small amount of time where it doesn't need to take your entire day. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Um, what is the hardest part of your homeschool? The hardest part? I think the hardest part is that there are times that I have to tell Parker, I don't know the answer on how to do this. And so I have to teach myself or watch a YouTube video before I can teach him. And sometimes that's a little bit embarrassing. Okay. I want to help you reframe that because I actually think that's really good. I think that's really good because I think that that teaches your kids that you're not always going to know everything and then it's okay to seek out help. So right. I think you modeling that, I don't think that that's a bad thing at I all. I have to remind him that I was in fifth grade many, many moons ago. So and I think a perfect strategy for that is, you know what, Parker, I don't know, but let's find out together. Mm -hmm. And that's the beauty of homeschooling. Like you're learning together. I have learned more homeschooling my children about like history yes, or like the constitution. Let's talk about the constitution. <laughs> Lily's like, oh, here we go. <laughs> so we'll tell a quick little funny story. Um, we went somewhere and it was way after COVID. Where were we going? It was that ice cream. Oh, yes. It was. <laughs> you want to tell the story? Okay. So we went to dinner. What did we, I can't remember. We went to dinner somewhere yeah. and then we went, we stopped at this little ice cream shop. And let's be clear. This was like six months ago, maybe eight months ago. It was not that long ago. Like it wasn't, Yeah, it was not that long no. ago, but the ice cream shop was really cute. They put your ice cream in like a little cone shaped like a fish. It was perfect. And as we're walking up, 
you can see that everyone inside is wearing a mask and we get to the door and I'm like, we can't go in there because you, you have to have a mask on. And so I'm non-confrontational. And so I'm like backing up me and my, <laughs> no, I think it was me and Cody. We're like, no, we can't go in there. And Leah and my husband, Ben, they're like, we're going in. It's fine. We're going in. So Leah goes in, acts like she does not see anyone in there wearing a mask. And the lady behind the counter is trying to tell her, ma'am, you need to wear your mask. And Leah was going to start no, you did start reciting the Constitution. I had my pocketbook Constitution in my purse. <laughs> and this is where Lily dies. I wish she, she never met me. <laughs> no, but we didn't get our ice cream. There was no swaying. They, they refused the service. And you guys, this, let me be very clear. This was like six or eight months ago. So it wasn't like at the beginning. Like this is when, like we have moved on people. Yes. We have moved on. Um, so yeah, I might've told them that it was unconstitutional how they were. This <laughs> is and Lily and my husband were just dying, dying. And we haven't been back to that place. No. <laughs> anyway. Um, but that's a good example for me because I didn't, you know, you breeze over that stuff in fifth or sixth grade. It's a blurb in a chapter. And I think to be able to, to do that with your kids. And I will say, um, Ben has been so good about doing like little extra things mm-hmm. with Parker. Like they went to the Alamo together. They were seeing a football game down there, right? Yes. And so then they did like a little sidestep to the Alamo. And so, you know, he's even, he works full time, but also I see him doing little things. Where else did he take on that architect thing? Um, what was that thing? They went to a concert in Treeport mm-hmm. and went to the science museum there. But they went to like an architect. Oh, uh, we went to visit my brother and sister-in-law and my sister-in-law is an architect. So he took Parker to the firm that she works at and they got to see, yeah, they talked to all the architects. He got to see like the blueprints and everything. So that was awesome. Which I think is really cool. It's really cool. And Ben and Lily are hardcore, um, Louisianians. What is the word? Um, we love LSU. But you're like a Louisianian. What is that called if you're from Louisiana? No, because, you know, in Texas, you're Texan. I don't know what you are from Louisiana. I feel like your allegiance is more to Louisiana than Texas. Like if you had to choose. Well, we love Texas. We're staying here forever. But we do miss the food and we miss the fighting tigers of LSU. And it's good to have friends from different places because I think it's like you're from a foreign country. <laughs> Pretty much. Hey, it feels like it sometimes. I would love to take you to like San Francisco and just w- and watch you. Been. Like recently? Um Parker was three. Okay. I would that would be fun to take you back to my stomping grounds <laughs> and see your southern self interact with California. I did not people. know I needed a jacket in April there. Oh yeah, it's always yeah, lovely. and a bad jacket yeah. while we were there. I brought shorts. But like, you know, you and Ben, like you guys introduced us to the craw, I say crawfish. it wrong, crawfish, not what do I say, craw daddy. But people that are not from Louisiana, they are definitely, we had a crawfish boil. Yep. And Cody was about to come out of his skin. Yeah. My husband does not do germs. And so like Ben and Lily have all this crawfish and they lay it all out with the potatoes and the sausage. And one of the kids comes up with their snotty little hands, like takes a bite of a potato, throws it back down on the table. And my husband about threw up. He yeah. was, so the next time we did it, Cody had his own little spot. It was like his private little table. And every time we have a, like a gathering, everyone lets him eat first. <laughs> it's pretty bad. But that, I mean, that was kind of gross. You have to admit, Evan. Yeah. Half chewed potato. It, it happens though. 
my fish live in the mud, so it's kind of gross if you think about it anyway. Wash them, though. Yes. And boil them. They're delicious. So that kills the thing. And I will say, Lillian, this is a compliment. I have never seen someone put away crawfish like you did. Like, I was just watching your pal. Like, you were like. Oh, yeah. It was impressive. I'm tired of eating them before I'm full because they're so tiny and I'm just. Yeah. Doing all the things. And in the homeschool side of us, we're like dissecting it, showing the kids the different parts. And then they fall. What do they fall asleep? When they you do. Like, you, um, you flip them upside the down. crawfish upside down and you rub its little head between its eyes. It'll, they'll fall asleep. They fall asleep. But they do pinch. So you have to be very careful. Yeah. Okay. So what is like, what does the next five years of your homeschool look like? Like if you could wave a magic wand, like Eleanor's going to get into homeschool. Like what are you, what are you thinking is your end game for you guys? I think, I think we're going to have to restructure things a little bit more as far as my work schedule, because I'm going to need to be more hands-on with her. She's not going to be ready for independent study. And I don't think it would be beneficial for her, for me to work all day. And then for us to do school in the evening, she's just going to be burnt out from just whatever she's doing all day, because as soon as her eyes open, she does not stop. So We'll probably get our schoolwork done in the morning. I would, and then I would, as Parker gets older, I would like to probably look into getting him into a co-op that does um, core classes Mm -hmm. for like algebra and like the more advanced Mm -hmm. maths and sciences. But other than that, we're just doing how we're doing it. And I think outsourcing is really smart. I know like once we get to chemistry, I'm not doing that. Right. Mm-mm. Wherever I'm you not are, doing that. we're going to. Like, it's just not my strength. Like there's other areas, but that I had to take chemistry twice in high school. So I already am having like PTSD from the thought of mm-hmm. doing it. Like we had a friend who got like their whole chemistry lab set in and I was like, no, it's never going to happen here. It's never going to happen. No. So, and just know there's people too that love, that love that. And you could even you know, if you don't have a co-op near you, you could find a mom who maybe hates language arts and you love language arts. And you say, Hey, once a week, could we swap? And I'll take your kid in another room. You take my kid and do chemistry because you love it so much. So just be resourceful. I think that's one of the greatest things that homeschooling has taught me is just to be resourceful and that there's always a plan. You can always figure it out. Everything is figure outable, right? Um, what has been, um, let's talk about like, behavior like what did you notice behavior wise parker's transition from public school to homeschool well something that was a big change in our family is we did not know prior to having him home with us that he has add severely and um his teachers they never called us in for anything about it They never said he was that much of a disruptment in class other than he's a second grade boy. That's it, you know, and they expect them to sit in a classroom for eight hours. So the first week that we were trying to do school in our home and he's in the computer chair spinning around and around and around and around and all over the floor and he and he just couldn't control himself. We took him to the doctor and he does have ADD. We have made the choice to put him on medication and it has been life-changing for him. He knows if he needs to take his medicine, he will even say, I need mom, I forgot to take my medicine and I need a break. So I can see the maturity and him being able to know what's wrong with him, not what's wrong with him, but what's hindering his behavior at that time. 
And I also can tell we've lost a lot of the attitude, I think, that he was developing from just being around other children that don't have parents that parent the way that we do. So, and I think it's so true when your kids are around you all the time, you pick up on so much more. That's a big gap of time when they're gone eight hours a day. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I feel like behavioral wise, I have like, I mean, there's been days where our, there's attitudes bad inside. And so I will shut down the day and be like, you need to go spend two hours in your room and think about your actions where again, in a traditional school setting, we wouldn't have time to do that. It would be, Oh, go to bed or whatever. Like it wouldn't, you wouldn't have the time to address it. Um, and that's really interesting to me that there was no diagnosis mm-hmm. in public school, but you as your, you as the parents, you're going to know your child best, right? right. You know your child best. Well, you know, and then also Parker has always had a struggle with reading and after kindergarten, they told me he might be dyslexic, but we can't, um, we're not going to do any of the tests until the third grade. I'm like, that's a huge gap of thinking he's dyslexic, but we're not going to do anything about it. So then after he had a wonderful first grade teacher. And so she was like, no, we we're going to test him. We can't wait until third grade. So he was tested for dyslexia and he didn't score. I I wouldn't say every score was, was in like the dyslexia range, but he did have some scores that were in that range. And basically the way that they described it was you're only as strong as your weakest link. So if you have one area that is scores in the dyslexia level, then you are right. So all during second grade, he met with the dyslexia teacher and learned some reading skills. And that was something that made me nervous about being his teacher was that how am I going to help him read if I'm not trained on how to take care of dyslexic children? But then once I had him home and he wasn't expected to complete this book in this amount of time or read this or mm-hmm. read that. I don't believe that he's dyslexic. I really don't. And I think if he can read scripture out of the Bible, which is not easy, he just needed to learn on his own time frame. So, so really quickly, I want to say that if you do suspect that your kid has dyslexia, I do want you to know that there is curriculum. There is curriculum for that. Cause I think a lot of people would have that same thought like, mm-hmm. Oh, I need a specialist or I need the right. programs that a public school can offer. I really want you to know that there are programs um, that will test, that will get you curriculum. Um, so just know that is that is an option. But let's talk about his ADD. What is the difference between ADD and ADHD? Do you know the core difference? I um, I'm gonna, I, really, I really don't. I think just the H is for- I'm going to Google it. Yeah, that's a great. Let's Google see. It's a wonderful thing. ADD versus ADHD. Okay, so ADD is attention deficit disorder, and then ADHD is attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Um, the child will be high, highly energetic and active with ADHD. Okay, so people with ADHD also a lot of times they're diagnosed later on in life, and they also have um, anxiety associated with it. And I know my therapist was the one that initially got me to start getting diagnosed because she was like, I'm seeing all these patterns with you. And it's very common if you're born in the eighties, that eighties girls were not diagnosed because people just chalked it up to as like, Oh, they're just kids or they're, you know, you're forced to sit still and do something a certain way. 
Okay. So a couple things that I want to share with you is I think that society, it's getting better now, but a lot of times when people hear the term ADHD or ADD, like people get awkward about it. And I really want to encourage you to reframe it because it really is just, it's a neurodivergent way of thinking. It's not what's wrong with that person. It's that they think differently and their brain connects differently. And as a society, we're told that this one way of thinking, it's very much like public school, this one way of thinking, this one way of doing things is what's best for everyone. Mm -hmm. And that's just not the case. You know, people that have ADHD or ADD, it's not that they're not capable. They're just wired differently and they have to do things differently. So share with us, I know you talked about the spinning in the chair, but what were some of the signs that you were seeing that made you think, okay, his brain is working differently? Um, Not only was it the inability to pay attention or stay focused, um, it was, it was a lot of meltdowns too. And um, him just being overwhelmed because it just seemed like he had so much to complete where he wasn't able to just focus on the one task. It was the whole, the whole big picture, you know? So I'd have to tell him, Parker, you just have to, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? So we're going to complete this and then we're going to complete this. So what you said, making him a schedule, this has helped. Mm -hmm. That's helped. So I know for me, my ADHD shows up a few different ways. Like one thing I cannot do is I cannot be in a setting where there's music playing. So like I have a really hard time, like if we're at a restaurant and there's like a live band or loud music and we're trying to have a conversation, I'm I'm not understanding what you're saying because the music is driving me nuts. I did not know that. About it's driving you. me I'm nuts. I'm not taking you to karaoke. <laughs> I can watch people sing. I can watch people sing because that's like a separate thing, right? Right. But like, I mean, that shows up all the time where like, I'll go over to grandpa's and he always has the TV going and I will go and shut it off or hit mute because I can't, I cannot have the TV going and compute what he's saying at the same time. Like my brain does not, it just doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. Um, Cody loves listening to country music while we cook dinner. Me too. And he'll talk to me at the same time. And I literally will have to shut it off. And he gets so frustrated because I'm like, I can't understand what you're saying. Like it's not registering in my brain. Um, my therapist, when I, when we finally figured out this was what, not wrong with me, but how I'm wired differently, I was in the process of quitting caffeine. And she's like, you can't quit caffeine. She's like, people with ADHD, your, your brain actually functions better with it. So you need to have at least 200 milligrams a day. So like little things like that. I cannot just lay down at night and go to bed. I have to have like a, um, like a, I don't know. I don't even know what it's called. Like a winding down routine. It's like, I have to be doing something. And I have a really hard time sitting still like people that sit still and watch TV. Like I can't do it. So I'll watch TV and write postcards or I'll watch TV and fold laundry. Like I always have to be doing something. You need to something. learn to crochet. So my hand, yeah, I keep my hands busy. You could do it. Do you know how many blankets I would have, Lily? <laughs> you could do it. You can make all the little uh, uh, creations, like all the little animals. Little stuffed animals. Yes, you can do it. <laughs> So again, if you have a different style learner, like one of the most heartbreaking things to me is when mamas just assume that all their kids are going to learn the same. And it's okay if you have different curriculums for different kids with different learning styles or different abilities. And again, ADHD and ADD, it's just neurodivergent. It's how their brain works. It's not a right. It's not a wrong. It's not something that you can train them out of or discipline them out of. It's more so you need to fit to their brain 
essentially, and figure out what works with their brain. So like if you have a chair spinner, maybe your child needs to sit on a bouncy ball while they do school, you know, or um, if they need to touch grass, like grab grass while they're doing their work, you know, things like that are fidgets. I have some homeschool friends that have tons of fidgets. Yes. We did fidgets when he was younger, for sure. Yeah. Just so their hands are able to keep busy. Well, Lily, this was a really fun all over the place. We covered a lot. We covered yes. the constitution. We I covered crawdads. Yes. Crawfish. Leah. Oh my goodness. Crawdaddies. Okay. I'm going to get you a big old shirt that says I love crawdaddies. <laughs> <laughs> She'd wear it too. I would. Oh, but this was so good, Lily. Do you have any final encouragement for moms who are maybe they're working full time and they're really struggling with like, how do I balance this? How do I make this work? Like, what would you say to them? I would say you can do it. You know, even if you have to have your homeschool at a different time, you don't have to be in the traditional parameters of what the school system says is when you have your school. So if you have to complete your job during the day and have your school at night, do it. Or even on the weekends. Yeah. Like school, school with, I think it's like a four day thing for most homeschoolers, four day thing. So you could do Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like we're, we're still doing school right now. And we did typically during the traditional school year, we have co-op on Thursday. So we do school Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and the summer we're just doing it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And that's it. Smart. Well, thank you, friend. It was good having you on the podcast. I hope you'll come back. I will. All right. You guys have a great week. 